greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name. Thinking about this morning's this morning's service and the camaraderie that we have together as a congregation, as people following Christ. It's it was cold this morning, and yet there was a bond there. And so I am truly thankful for that. And yet I stand before you as one that, yeah, am still striving forward. And so as I share from from the Word of God this morning, I do appreciate your prayers. This morning I wanted to look at uh, the last several books, uh, chapters in the book of Matthew. And so we're going to be going through fairly rapidly. And the setting of this morning's message is basically from the the garden forward to the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And as we look back at this past week, the, the Passion Week, we look at the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. All of these people had seen the mighty works of Christ. And then when he came riding into Jerusalem on that foal of an ass, they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Their king was coming. And then we see him going to the temple and chasing out the animals and tipping over the table and cleansing of the temple and saying that God's house should be a house of prayer. And then we see them gathering together, Jesus and the disciples, for that last intimate time together as they ate the Passover of the Passover together, as Jesus washed their feet and taught them about His broken body and the blood that He would shed. was a climax. And yet it was a climax that came somewhat crashing down. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 26. It says in verse 31 of Matthew 26, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep, of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Jesus knew what was coming. And He informed those people that were close to Him that all of them would go away. And we know what Peter said. He said, Lord, I will never deny you. And he used the word never. I will never deny deny you. Did he speak the truth? I think in that moment of time, in that close communion, I think that Peter really meant what he said. And as we read further down through there, his disciples said likewise. 
that they would do the same. They would not forsake Him. That they would die with Him. And yet we see in this garden scene what happened. Skipping down to verse 47. This was after He had gone away to pray. He came back to His disciples and they were weary. They were sleeping. And you know, as this, mor this morning, we rose early. Some of us rose fairly early. And we had an enjoyable communion fellowship together this morning. Was it because of the excitement of this first Easter service? Well, yeah, for sure. But it should be more than that. It should be because of our excitement in worshiping our risen Lord and Savior. But in this garden, after these disciples declared that they would never forsake, it says, and while He yet spoke, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, this is verse 47 of Matthew 26, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came with Him, came and with Him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus. Think about this setting here this morning. A congregation of people knit by a bond of fellowship. Look at these disciples knit by this bond of fellowship of teaching with Jesus these past three years. And all of them declaring their loyalty. And yet this one that was a part of them Betrayed. How can you betray a friend? Well, Scripture attests to the fact that Judas was not an honest man. And how can anyone trust anyone that is a thief and a liar? And we don't have instances of where Judas told lies or stole, but it says basically that alludes to the fact that he took from the purse. And in order to take from the purse, you would have to try to cover tracks somehow. What is truth? And that is the title of the message this morning. What is truth? Verse 57 of Matthew 26 and they that had laid hold on Jesus led Him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and elders were assembled. I want you to think about this. Judas led them to arrest Jesus. He knew where Jesus would be. And it says that these were a great multitude and the chief priests and elders of the people. The religious leaders went in the darkness following this betrayer. 
And it also says then later in 57, they that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Why were they assembled? Well, they had a plan. And we see that plan being carried forward. It's, a very, it's very apparent that they had planned this event. They had arrested Jesus at night and took Him to the high priest where the scribes and the elders were gathered. They had a plan and to carry out this plan to kill Jesus. They needed witnesses to further their cause. In verse 59, it says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought. It says, the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put Him to death, but found none. Why would religious leaders, the leaders of the people, those that were taught the Scriptures, why would they seek false witnesses? The only way around truth <laughs> is an accusation. And most of those, unless there are more than one, they are, true, they are a false witness. Verse 60 says, But found none, yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. In the, in the Old Testament, it said that something be established with two or three voices. One voice was not enough. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. Verse 62 says, And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? It says, but Jesus held His peace. Jesus held His peace. And the high priest answered and said unto Him, and I can see this quietness. I can see this not responding back being somewhat of a burr in the saddle. Something that was kind of goading these men because they were searching, they were seeking to find something. And this high priest said, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. What did they know? What did these religious leaders know about this man? They knew of his works. They knew of his words. They knew about his followers. And yet they were unable to see the truth of the Scripture because of their preconceived ideas of who the Messiah was to be in their mind. And Jesus didn't fit the mold. So my question to you is, what mold do you have for Christ? Do you see Jesus for who He is? Or do you see Jesus for who you want Him to be? Are we trusting in the way that we've always done it? 
as the Pharisees. They had the Scriptures very much before them. And yet, He didn't fit the mold. And they found false witnesses. Are we trusting in the way that we do things? Or are we trusting in the Word of God that teaches us the truth of who Jesus is and what He what He came for and what we need as people? A Savior. Jesus responded to the high priest with, you said it. Tell us whether they'll be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, you said it. But He went on to say, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The truth was finally out. These men that arrested Him at night, my betrayer leading them to Jesus, these men that brought these false witnesses, these men that set up this secret trial, these men that adjured Him to tell them if He was the Christ, had the truth smack in the face, square in the face. And each one of us, every one of us, will face truth one day or another. Whether it's here or whether it's in the future, we will face truth just as these men face truth. And what did it do? It caused these men to burst out in anger. And they said that he had declared that he was a blasphemer. And then they rose up and spit in his face and slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? These were religious leaders scribes and Pharisees and elders. And they were doing this to a man. For what reason? Matthew 27, verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. And when they had bound Him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. These men had the truth right declared to them right to their face. And they rose up in, quote, righteous indignation. And then they delivered him to Pilate. Now, according to the Jewish law, a blasphemer was to be, I mean, could be stoned or killed. But they had no law that could crucify. The Jewish had no law that they could crucify. They had to appeal to the Roman authorities to have that punishment carried forward. And these men chose their position, their power, and pride over the truth that they had discovered in Christ 
And they condemned an innocent man with lies and false accusations and held it up as we are doing God's bidding. Verse 3 of chapter 27. We're looking at Judas again. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And he said, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Judas came to the point of truth. I believe Judas was a very vital part of those disciples during his time. And yet he was a man given to his own passions. And his passions led him to betrayal. And then that betrayal, that condemned innocent person that instructed him and guided him and taught him in all those years and lived a life of servanthood. When Judas saw that this innocent man was condemned, I think he recognized what he had done. He said, I have sinned and then I've betrayed innocent blood. And those guys that he said that to, those men, shrugged it off and said, what's that to us? It doesn't matter to me. See thou to that yourself. And Judas cast down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Judas faced the truth. He recognized that he had betrayed innocent blood, and yet he found no peace in returning that money and confessing that sin. And in his passion, I believe, my opinion, he took his own life, not recognizing the eternal price that he would pay. Verse 11, chapter 27. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. In one of the other Gospels, the Gospel of John, we know the famous words that Pilate spoke. They're not recorded here. But in John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And those oh so famous words of Pilate, he saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault 
in this man. Pilate heard the truth. He marveled at Jesus' response. And he said, what is truth? Back in verse 20, chapter 27, verse 17. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Contrast of the two. A man that was a miracle worker, that was a teacher, that was a preacher, that had... What did they say about his words? They were... spoke with authority, but he also spoke with I don't, eloquence, but that's not the right word. And Barabbas, a murderer. I think Pilate thought, well, this is an easy toss-up. This is going to be easy. I'm going to offer him Jesus or Barabbas, a teacher or a murderer. Well, they'll choose the murderer. Sorry, they'll choose the teacher to be set free. Verse 18. It says, Pilate knew why they had brought him. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. He knew that for envy of all the crowds that were following him, that were seeing his marvelous work, that were believing in Him. For envy, they had delivered Him. And when he, when, when he was set down on the judgment seat, His wife sent unto Him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. We see in these verses, Pilate knew without question why Jesus was brought before Him. And we see Pilate's wife Appeal to her husband because she had suffered many things from this through a dream, dream of this just man. And even though Pilate was not a follower of Jesus, he knew about Him. He knew what the truth was. And we see that for a short, short period of time, he attempted to set Jesus free. But when the chief priests and elders, verse 20, persuaded the multitude that they should ask, for, ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus, the governor answered and said unto them, Whither the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And again, the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And they didn't answer that question. But they cried out the more, let him be crucified. This multitude, I want you to think about this. This multitude who at the beginning of the week had welcomed him into Jerusalem and said, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Son, of uh, Hosanna to the highest, cometh in the name of can't remember. But anyway, y'all know where I'm at there. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord was now saying, crucify him. That's peer pressure. That's a severe amount of peer pressure. Verse 24, And when Pilate saw that he could, he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And their people's response was, His blood be on us and our children. That was an incredibly bold statement by these people that through false accusations, through a false trial, through false witnesses, had sentenced Christ to death and had got the appro- gotten the approval of the Roman Pilate. But Pilate faced the same thing that you and I will face. We will all come face to face with truth. And we will react one way or the other to the truth. Just as Pilate did. Will we react and say as the disciples, I will never forsake you. I will die with you. And yet we see that they fled. Pilate faced the same thing. And he tried to free Jesus. And yet, because of the tumult, because of the press of the people, he caved to the will of the crowd. Then down in verse 35 of Matthew 27. And they crucified Him and parted His garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted My garments among them, and upon My vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched Him there and set up over His head His accusation written. This was written by Pilate. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Now, I don't know. I have not, didn't do enough, didn't do any research. I don't know if a sign was posted above everyone that was crucified. But this sign that was posted above Jesus on that cross by the order of this Roman governor spoke the truth. And everyone that passed by read those words. How did they react to truth? Many reviled Him. Many made fun of Him. Many told Him to come down from the cross if He was the Son of God and said other things. When faced with truth, how will you respond? How will I respond? Verse 50 of Matthew 27 Jesus, when He had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, 
and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after His resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Never in history has there ever been such an event. The veil being rent from the top to the bottom. This earthquake where rocks were broken, graves were opened, saints came forth to life again, and many to appear to many in Jerusalem. And then in verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Up until that point, what do you think they thought? This was just another criminal. This was just another man. This was just a writing. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And I don't know how many people remained until that final moment on the cross when Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross. But it says, those who remained feared greatly and made a declaration of truth. And this declaration was, truly, this was the Son of God. Imagine being there. The darkness coming. The wind blowing. The earth shaking. The rocks breaking. And I don't know what all else happened. And then it was finished. In verse 57, we read the rest of the account. And when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named, Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. The end. It was done. Jesus, their teacher, their Savior, their King, was laid in the grave and the rock rolled across. The end. Or so they thought. And we know that these religious leaders went to Pilate and said, we need to make this grave secure because they said that He would rise in three days. Or Jesus said. And we don't want the second scam to be as bad as the first one. In their mind, they missed the truth. Matthew 28, verse 1, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. 
His countenance was like lightning, and His raiment white as snow. And for fear of Him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. For He has risen, as He said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. What a remarkable experience. What an incredible experience. And I'm sure that these women were torn with emotion and fear. And this angel spoke to them and said, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus. Are you seeking Jesus in truth? What is truth? Truth is knowing that Jesus came as that perfect Lamb of God. Truth is knowing that Jesus lived a life of servanthood, of teaching, of an example. Truth is knowing that Jesus gave His life as that sacrificial Lamb of God. And truth is knowing and believing that Jesus rose from the dead and that we serve a risen Savior. Truth is the power of the resurrection evident in your life. Truth will prevail. Are you living in truth? May God enable us to live a life of truth for His glory. God bless you.